0: Good morning. This is
1: Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. Good morning. I'm Kelly. What's the show about today, hon? I did a session yesterday with a wonderful client, but I'm going to change her name to Sarah. And um, her dad came through. She lost her dad when she was quite young, um, probably actually around, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old. And her dad came through to talk about his own life. Because he was quite young when he passed and it was very sudden. And um, what, what came through in, in his messages were that people were grieving his life still. That when, when they think about him, they get anxious about what he didn't achieve. Mm. They get anxious about how short his life was. And they, that's where they get stuck in their grief and their sadness. And he wanted to kind of correct it and, and maybe lack of better term... He wanted to just say that he had a very average life and how wonderful that was. Hmm. And that the averageness of his life was the entire point or the entire message. He didn't live above his means. He Hmm. didn't strive to accumulate more and more things. In fact, throughout his life, um, especially when he, I guess, got divorced, he started paring down. He moved into a smaller place, he had less stuff, he became less attached. Not emotionally, but just less attached to his things. And so this average life was about um, just simplicity, focusing on what matters and what adds value, which from what I understand is the whole movement toward minimalism. Uh, But just focusing on this woman's dad, he went on to say how proud he was that his daughter was very average. (laughs) And I mean... I'm so nervous as a human channeling these messages because there's so, there's so much charge to the word average now because the whole strive is for greatness. The whole strive is for this, um, extraordinary life and this big, you know, big, big world, uh, big houses, big cars, all of those things. And he just said that he was so pleased that his daughter was average and that she had picked an average partner. Mm. And she sat back and you could kind of see the discomfort at first because she didn't quite understand where he was going with that. Well, Kelly, it almost sounds like someone could take that
0: as an insult. Oh, 100%. Because of, of what you said earlier about that we're supposed to be extraordinary.
1: Yeah, we, do, we don't even want average grades anymore. It's not acceptable to just understand something. You have to be an expert at it or a master at it. You have uh, to have a, P- a doctorate. I oh, was just going to say we have to have our PhD of everything now. Right. And so um, because he had died at such uh, a young age and in her own life as well, of course, he's never physically met her partner. She's now a young woman. She's a couple of years older than myself. And he was saying that he loves that he now knows her partner mm. and that he's very average and exemplifies a lot of the same qualities that he did as a human, where, Again, there isn't this big strive for constant feeling of more, but that they enjoy what they have and where they are, that there are, there are still dreams, there are still goals, but it's not a constant marathon. They don't cross a finish line and and look for the next one. They they take time to appreciate what they've earned and what they've built. That resonates with me in -hmm. regards to what I hear you do as
0: a life coach. Yeah. Whereas, thank you. whereas a life coach, I hear how you've coached me, where it's very, very important, not just to keep setting goals and looking at the next one, but that the gratitude, the sitting in it, the enjoyment of something uh, creates the new energy, mm-hmm. uh, creates the peacefulness, creates confidence. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't understand why our children are not confident or why we are not confident people. The confidence comes from sitting in that space and enjoying what we have, enjoying what we're doing or who we are.
1: Because all of those things in those moments are enough. We can feel like we are enough, that we are doing enough. And when we're constantly running for that next finish line, there's this consistent feeling of anxiety that we're never doing enough. We're never achieving enough. Which means we obviously aren't enough if that's not the case, or if that's the case.
0: That can even come into play in when someone goes through a divorce and has to start over again. Mm -hmm. And, um, or someone stepping out and going to university or college or just starting a job or quitting high school Mm -hmm. or quitting university or a job and beginning again. That... We, in, when we're in that time, we have to start new goals. Mm-hmm. And it can be exciting slash nervous
1: mm-hmm.
0: slash anxiety slash depression. So there can be a whole bunch of things that get tied into that. If we don't sit in what you were talking about, where when we accomplish one thing, we have to sit back and really be grateful.
1: Yeah. So th- uh, this is another really cool thing that he brought up. And I, and I had to pause once it came out of my mouth to really understand what he was saying. Ne- he said, in, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words here. When he was being grateful that both his daughter and now his son-in-law are average, he said that he was thankful that a part of this averageness means that you don't attach your identity to your job. Hmm. So they were, neither one of them are defined by what they do in terms of earning money. And why that's so important is because when they come home from their jobs or their careers, there isn't this feeling of, I have to do more work from home. I have to continue doing the, these tasks that contribute to my job because it's, it is who I am. There isn't a loss of identity when they leave work, right? So consequently, when they come home, they can actually enjoy the show that they watch the garden that they plant, they can enjoy all of the ways that they um, spend their time. And what he did was, and, I, and you know how much I love words, he really kind of showed the, the stark difference between enjoying your time or spending your time versus filling your time. Mm-hmm. And he said that this is a lesson that most people don't get or don't even really have the opportunity to get until retirement. But there's such a crisis for the people who have wrapped their entire lives in their career, their identity in their career, that in retirement, a lot of people panic because they don't know how to fill their time. But when you live this average life where your identity isn't your job, then you can actually enjoy every different way that you spend your time, whether it's job related or not. And that's something that he understood as a man. Um, but that people didn't, when people, if we go back to his grieving or other people's grieving over his death, they felt anxious about him dying because he never got to quote unquote, fulfill his purpose. Mm. And he just said, my purpose was to be average. My purpose was to enjoy my time. Mm. And and that was the lesson of my life that I wanted to pass on to my children.
0: This is crazy. Yeah. Kelly, I did the same treatment yesterday. Oh, that is cool. That is crazy. I didn't realize when you were just starting to talk about this, how how much it played into exactly a message about someone came in and asked about what their purpose was mm-hmm. and their life purpose. And the life purpose was to sit in each moment and know themselves. Yeah. It wasn't to come into this lifetime for the career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, holy crap, we had the same
1: the same uh, treatments in two different rooms. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. And I think that like that that's very nerve wracking for a lot mm-hmm. of people to hear, right? That their big purpose is not, you know, to sa- to save the world. Essentially, that your purpose is just to enjoy each moment. Mm-hmm. And he, like I thought that was really cool that he said that it really only presents itself in the in the maybe the Western world uh, during retirement when you really are forced to take more time for yourself. But that his daughter and his son in law had had taken that opportunity now to really understand life better Mm -hmm. and enjoy life better. There was, there's no rush for anything. They have a big home, but they enjoy each room. They have a big yard, but they enjoy each piece of the yard. Mm -hmm. It's, it's lived in. It's not, it's not sitting there stagnant while they are someone else and exist elsewhere. Mm. That's cool. So yeah. I think some people can identify
0: with that when they have the big house, but they're gone 12 hours a day mm-hmm. and, or they have a $50,000 kitchen and they don't cook. Yeah. <laughs> they use it to warm things up in a microwave or, or the oven and that they actually don't use the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, or they have, um, a massive bedroom and a jacuzzi hot tub in the bathroom, but they don't have the time to actually be there and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's some of the examples people can maybe relate to. Well, I the, hope so. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I I just walked out of there thinking, oh, I just want such a wonderful average life. Or can we go to the the um, comment you
0: made, Kelly, about um, the purpose mm-hmm. when there was life purpose? I remember, with one client, she came in and asked what her or to her spirit what her life purpose was. And her guides had said to stop abusing men. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, oh, that's fair. That would be accurate. And she had no problem being able to identify that she had abused um, her sons, her husband's, and her current boyfriend mm-hmm. um, her whole life. And that she had always that she, this was this was something she had struggled with, so sometimes I think if people hear life purpose and you're 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 talking about that, and this was to live an average life um really goes against that grain of Hollywood trying to put out in some movies an extraordinary life mm-hmm. and some people do have extraordinary lives. there's nothing wrong with that, but out of seven
1: billion people, many of us have to live average ones mm-hmm. <laughs> and thank God. Yeah. And hopefully we all take turns. Yeah. Hmm. But I think the extraordinary is always wrapped around career and money.
0: Yeah. That purpose
1: has to be about how you earn an income. Okay. Instead of understanding that purpose can be, you know, serving food to people uh, in a cafe where you make them feel special because you remember their orders and you make them feel like they're the regulars who, who are VIP in a small town. Kelly, what's that thing that you like on um, Instagram or whatever about the people of New York or Facebook? Oh,
0: yeah, Humans of New York. Humans of New York, where somebody, is that correct, where someone is taking an average person and just taking a snippet of their life and sharing it mm-hmm. to make average um, attractive? Or I, I don't know.
1: I don't think that's it. I, the intention oh. is to share people's stories. Okay, that's okay. To give them a voice. Okay. There's a lot of stories in there about abuse and how people escape, um, how people get through hard times, homelessness, things like that. I mean, there's success stories too, but I don't think it's quite what you're talking about. So extraordinary comes in different ways, right? I think extraordinary comes from connection. Yeah. And connection, like I said, can be handing someone the Tim Hortons cup and saying, have a great day and meaning it. Yeah, and I think some people actually really do get that because they want to go to the same
0: Tim Hortons every morning on their way to work.
1: 100%. They want to see the same smiling face. They yeah. want to know they're going to get a consistently good, well, whatever you quote to be good coffee. Um, you know, you you want that that feeling of familiarity and, and importance. Yeah. Whether you're single or you you
0: have family at home. Mm-hmm. But like you say, it's all about being connected. It, 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 and, sh- and for many people... The small connections in short ways, like the exchange of a lunch, uh, being served food or drink is such an important thing because it's how we nurture ourselves. Mm -hmm. So how people do that for us or clothe us or with, this is something that I've always felt some anger over. I, I, I liken it to when men and women come to my home to help me care for my home because my home is where I live. It's my shelter. It's one of the first things that I need to survive, especially in Canada, because you have to have something over your head, I think anyway, as far as I know, to keep you warm in the winter. And when these different people come into the house to to fix the plumbing, to put up drywall, to do all of these things, they're helping me with something that connects right to that first and second chakra in that hip area and down my legs. So if they're coming in and they're dishonest people, that really hits me. Mm-hmm. If they're unkind, if they want to take advantage. And as you know, that has happened several times in my life. However, I've also had the very opposite of that as well in North Bay, where I've had extraordinary people come in to help me to help me with them, my home and my land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Working my land, my yard, uh, where they make me feel safe and loved. And I appreciate that. I, I really value those people. They go; their names go up on my fridge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're the ones I give to all my all my friends.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, and here here again, maybe people listen to this and they think, okay, the person, the handyman who was kind and honest, is the extraordinary person. Okay, but you could also argue that they're the average person, and that the extraordinary piece of this is the appreciation that you have for those people yes you, I think the, the the piece of extraordinary is in your gratitude as an individual is in the treatment it's in the energy mm-hmm. the average life the average um interactions and tasks that you do are important but the extraordinariness is part of your personality your 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 inwardness
0: Mm. The thoughtfulness mm-hmm. that leads to, well, that's part of the emotions and it's about choice. Mm-hmm. It's about how you want to perceive things and how you want to um, share what you perceive.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people think, okay, well, it, they just did their job mm. and it's like, okay, but oh, if you, if you choose to step up and be extraordinary and express gratitude for how kind they were, how clean they were, how considerate they were, what a great job they did and how appreciative you are of how things now look that they're fixed or they're fixed up. That expression of gratitude, which is the extraordinary, then kind of does that infinity back to the, the handyman or the handywoman to let them know that their purpose that their purpose is fulfilled. Remember our Mother's Day one Kelly
0: that just aired, well, last week. In regards to the lady, Alin, who works in a nursing home and does everything from a space of love for her coworkers to the f- people that live in the nursing home, the family that is there, the family that she sees and creates, that includes the family that's inside her own personal home, how she sees everything that she does. It, you make me think of her mm-hmm. because Alyn is living an extraordinary life because she chooses it. Mm-hmm. She works in a kitchen in a nursing home, and she is extraordinary.
1: Mm-hmm. I know I can think back to being in Ottawa uh, in my university days and taking a cab somewhere when it was raining out and paying the cab driver at the end of the, the journey and saying, you are my absolute favorite person today. Mm. The, what he mm. did for my, my own convenience yeah, uh, in, in saving me from you know a 20-minute walk in the pouring rain, getting to work and feeling cold and wet and just that everyone knows that feeling he was my favorite person that day and I think just expressing that creates gratitude for an an average life Mm -hmm. I think that's the momentum that we are often missing
0: well it comes back to this this soul who's crossed over who sees that when he's reflecting back on his own life when he's Mm -hmm. watching his own review if we want to call it that when he's sitting with his own spirit can you imagine sitting in your own spirit with your guides on the other side and delighting in the fact that you were ordinary and that because of it you be you felt extraordinary
1: mm-hmm. and well, that, I think that's what Ellis Gray was trying to teach Meredith just yes. for a Gray's Anatomy plug here right <laughs> yes
0: yeah and I hope I hope as each person hears this if they're you know if they've got part-time jobs If they're running or if they're the CEO of a company, how you see and feel and treat each person. Mm -hmm. Do you sit in a position that might say that you're an extraordinary person because you're the CEO? Um, Or are you still ordinary? Do you still connect um, to everybody on their level? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Or have you come outside of that into thinking and believing that you're so extraordinary, you don't know how to connect anymore?
1: I think of the stories... um I hear where Reba McIntyre introduces herself to everyone she meets. She says, hi, I'm Reba. It like, like she needs a fucking introduction, but embracing that averageness of her own life so that there, like you say, there is connection. There is, there isn't a feeling of this is extraordinary or I am extraordinary Mm -hmm. and above all of what you are doing to make it possible. You're joining them on their level. Mm hmm. I love what he was what he was sharing with his daughter. Mm -hmm. There's so much love
0: in all of that. And there's self love. I don't just hear that there's love for other people, Mm -hmm. which is what he was telling his daughter that his purpose was, was to learn to connect and to love other people. But he was he was enjoying his own experience as much as he can. Yeah. And, And I think that's a very big thing to hear because so, so many of 7 billion people do not have everything to be extraordinary. They don't have what, what North Americans might consider extraordinary lives. Out of 7 billion people, m- several
1: billion are poor. Struggling mentally, mentally not well. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying too. But some of us don't have the mental faculties to be what life deems extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I, what I loved about his messages too, because I want to talk about the feeling that was in the room. Of course he was infusing the messages and the feeling in the room with love, but there's so many different kinds of love and it, and it shifts, right? And and you can know this if you've been in a long-term relationship. You go from this excited love to this comfortable love, almost to this, you might not even notice that it's there or really acknowledge it anymore because it's so familiar, And then it goes through stages again, where you feel like you are falling back in love with your partner. There is all different kinds, right? And when he was talking about this average life and how grateful he was to his daughter that she had figured this out, the love was not this excitement. It wasn't this anxious, um, because excited is anxious, right? There wasn't this feeling of jittery, jittery excitement. It was there was space, there was space in the room to breathe. It was this peaceful love where she could just sort of sit back and sink into her chair and feel peaceful.
0: And oh, I th- that means there's respect
1: in the relationship then. Yeah, and like there's there's patience, there's kindness, there's, like you say, respect, and there's also integrity. Okay, so can I jump in for two seconds and say, and I, did, I don't know
0: why, I hope maybe somebody just needs to hear it. Maybe I do too is, is there respect in your relationships? And if you don't have self respect, maybe this is that invitation to be ordinary. So that you can sit and be respectful of your own thoughts, and feelings, and beliefs. Hmm. And figure out if the person, or persons around you, respect you. Because I think a lot of people sit in work environments are not respected by coworkers and think this is going to be the job for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. and that they're not respected there but so how does that affect you
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you're not so there that anyway I don't know where that just came in when you were talking about all those qualities
1: well I think that's the struggle it's with deep. being average mm-hmm. you then don't feel like you're doing enough if you're not respected for what you do or you don't have self-respect for what you do
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's that feeling of I need to pick another goal and achieve more or get out Mm-hmm, right? Well, and I think about an
0: ordinary life as a as a partner to somebody. You're talking about sitting in this peaceful, well, I won't say peacefulness yet, but you're talking about being ordinary in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. That to me then means that there's a, a deep level of respect for yourself and for the partner and that they feel that towards you. Mm-hmm. Because without that respect, we're still always searching and yearning for something.
1: Mm-hmm. I and you know what it takes me back to episode 20 with Andrew Morrison when he's talking about his company the escape movement um and I hadn't I hadn't been exposed to this way of thinking until he came along until I had read uh what he was doing with his company because he he talks all about um really embracing and loving your 9 to 5 mm-hmm. right but then he also presented and that, that sort of goes with what we're, we're striving for an extraordinary, right, is making your career your purpose. If you're going to work, making sure you love it. But then he had this flip side argument that if you can't be in love with your nine to five, can you be in love with your five to nine? Mm. Can, can the nine to five job or career be the thing that's average that supports the five to nine passion?
0: Oh, and yeah, yeah. That Got is it. a
1: wonderfully average and extraordinary life
0: right right so if you can't enjoy your work and be extraordinary at it can it still be enough so that in the after hours you can have totally
1: yeah and i think a lot of people maybe can understand that if they had to just sort of get through school right it wasn't something they loved it was a shitty way that it was presented teachers aren't enthusiastic whatever where you can just sort of do the thing you're good at punch the clock Maybe you are in a job that lets your mind wander, that you can be imagine- like imaginatory through the entire day. And when you punch out, you get to go home and make the incredible meal that you've been dreaming about all day. Mm-hmm. Or you get to walk by the ocean or the lake at the end of the day with your, your best friend, which is your dog. You know, that isn't filling your time. That's now enjoying each piece of your time. Hmm. Hmm. I, I just, I, there's a freedom in that. And yeah. I think people, like, f- we're constantly told that the nine to five is what makes us almost captive, right? And in, in not the good way. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just don't think, well, especially hearing Sarah's dad, it just doesn't have to be like that. It's something that so
0: many of us are looking for. It's peace. We go to yoga to see if we can find it. Some people go for walks by the lake to see if they can find it. They pet their dog to see if they can find it. Um, and and maybe we can in those three examples, but what you're saying is, is can we still find that in all of the other ordinary things that we do? Mm-hmm. So if it's if, if if my ordinary is gardening, because I'm not an enthusiastic gardener, then can I still be in that ordinariness of gardening, but find my own headspace?
1: Yeah, I and I've said this. I started the part time job at Tranquility Spa, and. My head goes into a million places when I think of, is this successful? Is this something I'm proud of? Is this who I really am? All those big, extraordinary questions. And when I sit down and I think it's a receptionist position, and how many people think that that's a starter position or that you're supposed to aspire to more, I I take away those labels and I sit at the desk and think, fuck, I love schedules. Oh my God, I love booking appointments. I love ju- like juggling the schedule and making things fit. Um, I love the organization, the drawers and all the post-its. And I can sit and, and be there for three hours in a day and just think it fulfills that OCD part of me. <laughs> oh, Right. Yeah. And so I get to walk in. I get to enjoy the averageness of the job and that it, and that it kind of caters to that that piece of me that I I want organized mm-hmm. and then I can leave and then I get mm-hmm. to pet my dog and then I get to be with the people that I love. Mm-hmm. There's there's something wonderfully average in that job that just fulfills me.
0: Well, I think in every lifetime, if we look at a soul over a period of lifetimes, so maybe fifteen or thirty, um, we're not there, there's not going to be a likelihood that we pick being a, having a, a career where we have a PhD in all fifteen. Mm-hmm. So, because that would be out of balance, so we pick these different lifetimes to have these different experiences. And we have to remember in the lifetime when we pick the PhD in history or art or whatever it is that we do, where we think we're in that big career, I'm an architect, I'm a, and we think that's the one, we we really hit it, I'm a nurse, I I, I got here, that in other lifetimes, we picked picking garbage, we picked um, maybe a life where we had cerebral palsy, and we couldn't even move. Mm-hmm. We picked another life, perhaps where we had uh, 20 children. And we we had to farm the land and take care of 20 kids all day maybe maybe we were a a farmer in that life Mm -hmm. and that we lived in different cultures Mm -hmm. so perhaps in another culture you know most of the day was spent walking up and down the mountain to get the water Mm -hmm. and it there were all of these different things but what did we do when we were carrying that water up and down the mountain were we one with nature where and what does one with nature even freaking mean mm-hmm. we might not even know it anymore unless we had to do it all day every day and then really understand that we are with the rocks
1: i love it and uh, can we kind of go in a different direction yeah. too because you talked about not having that phd in every life and i know this goes into past lives and soul contracts and all in a, a very much bigger um, perspective I, I think about when you talk about the lifetime where people had 20 kids and farm the land, right? Mm-hmm. And if they've done that in a couple of lifetimes where they constantly had big, big numbers of children, uh, Eric and I sat down and had a conversation yesterday where he said, I'm, I'm really afraid in this relationship that I'm too selfish with my hobbies. And I sat there and I thought, well, perfect. We've chosen a lifetime together where we don't want children and you can afford to be selfish with your hobbies. And maybe that is balance in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And because I think a lot of people go toward, well, you need to be a balanced human being. You need to be a kind and considerate human being. You need to be selfless in order to be considered good. And that's an extraordinary life. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just think, no, that doesn't always fit. Mm -hmm. I I watch the way that you are selfish with your hobbies. And I think it's beautiful Mm -hmm. the way that you don't. You don't give up your walks in a day. You don't sacrifice being at the gym. You don't sacrifice making a good meal because that is how you choose and want to spend your time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Walking is not a filler for you. Putting on those running shoes and being by the lake is not filling your time. And it's not an obligation. It is something that fills you up. Yeah it's a priority yeah and I, and i salute the selfishness in that in that regard and that would be the self care so, so some people um
0: i think i read one day kelly on the internet i don't remember where i got the definition of selfish but it originated i uh, don't know if i'm going to get this exactly right this will be fun but it related to selfish originally meant to take care of oneself mm. it it wasn't actually to take one, care of oneself Neglecting. At the cost yeah. of neglecting others. And the recently, and I don't know how recently this has been, actually, maybe decades, as opposed to th- hundreds or thousands of years, selfish has had a very negative connotation, mm-hmm. meaning to the exclusion of or to the detriment of others. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's hinged. Those two things are now hinged together. Right. And instead of, and now we've come up with the, with the word self-care to distinguish ourselves and separate ourselves from the word selfish. Right. But I have heard many times where people make certain comments about single people being selfish. Mm-hmm. And because they have t- they have too much time. Hmm. Because they're not they don't have responsibilities. Oh, I'm throwing out all these cliche things right now. Right. And 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 I'm saying it purposely and I'm really hoping people who have done this to other people listen because you need your ass kicked.
1: Yeah, and I think you're talking about clichés and I can feel the anger burning in my stomach and hopefully oh. hopefully it it goes from both sides that the people who are making the or saying the clichés feel the burning because they're angry about them and then the people who are being accused of those clichés yeah. feel the anger in their stomachs as well because this is something that needs to be resolved.
0: That's right. The like if somebody is single by choice or not, some clients have come in here and they're 70 years old and said, am I ever going to have a partner? I'm 70 and I've yep. never been married. Mm-hmm. Well, why would they ever get pegged with being selfish their whole life? Because they didn't have a partner or children or pets that they had to care
1: for. Well, too picky.
0: They're, oh, true. They're too picky. Yes, they're not. Because those life paths were written that they were to be single. That had nothing to do with many of that had nothing to do with that they were too picky, that they refused too many people. Some people didn't even have dates. Remember some clients who've come in in their 70s and said, "I haven't even had dates in this lifetime. What happened? Mm-hmm. And they get pegged for being to this, to this, to that. What I'm trying to say is that they need the right, they need to have their own space to be able to care for themselves. to be able to make their own choices without being judged in negative ways. That's what I'm saying. So they are living ordinary lives. Maybe some of them are living very extraordinary lives because they are learning in being single how to connect to other people because they don't have a draw or a pull by children or a spouse in their life. So they have an opportunity to be present and to be, engaged because their mind isn't full of other responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So they have a wonderful gift in their ordinariness to everyone around them. But it's also for them to be able to enjoy in their own life. We don't come through and have 30 lifetimes and pick marriage maybe in all 30. To balance it, we want to be able to experience what it would be like to be single to know what that's like.
1: Or to experience partnership without obligation right yes
0: so you can even have the where you have partners and maybe many yeah maybe many I remember saying to one client that where I I understand that you should be on your fourth partner right now and she just looked at me and she just giggled Mm -hmm. she goes well this is really really good I know I want to know why you would say that because you're right but why would you say that I should be yeah because so many of my friends make fun of me and are mean to me about that they make little little comments Mm -hmm. that I'm out I'm out to get one more guy can I ruin one more man and it's like what Mm -hmm. can you ruin somebody how mean of all of those friends when this was what was written in her life Mm -hmm. that was supposed to be ordinary for her I hope people hear that. I
1: hope that they sit back and think a little bit more about their judgments and what they say. Uh, yeah, I think I think this podcast will be very confusing for a lot of people. And maybe it's important to mention that. Uh, because I think ordinary and extraordinary can go hand in hand. And that's what we've been trying to say is that the, the ordinary mm-hmm. or average life is extraordinary when your inward perspective is wonderful. Yeah. And that's where, that's where, you know, I think what positive psychology is trying to achieve by saying, make the best out of the situation Mm -hmm. or focus on a positive thought. It's not that, you know, that it's necessarily going to change the entire situation, but it does allow you to learn. It does allow you to grow um, and to make better choices. Hopefully Mm -hmm. it's not about living in a, in a fantasy world or denial, Mm -hmm. it's to simply be able to shift perspectives so that life can change as it needs to. I think, Kelly, you know what? When we're ordinary and we accept
0: it and love it in ourselves, then some of our anxieties go away. Oh my gosh, yes. Then our depression can go away because we're not feeling like failures all the time, that we're not measuring up to some stick out there. Or
1: that we're supposed to continuously stay on top. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my God, how many people needed to stick into the podcast to the 37 and minute mark or what? whatever the 30 minute mark, uh, whatever it is, to hear that part about not having to exhaust yourself to stay on top. Yeah. And, you know, I remember a, a, a client coming in once and um, I, I've never met her before. And I said, well, your guides are saying that you have a doctorate actually as a medical doctor, but that you hate it. Mm -hmm. And that this is not actually what you want to do. You don't want to hear people complaining all day. You don't want to be rushed. You don't you (laughs) feel like a failure because you have 15 minutes to solve all of their medical problems. Because they're booked every 15 minutes that you feel stressed because you can't hear everything, deal with everything that there's too much anxiety in it for you. There's no joy and i said but you feel stressed because after having achieved this this level of career that actually what you really want to do is you want to be as ordinary as everybody else you'd love to, you'd love to switch places with your receptionist and be able to answer the phone and and be, be, talk to people and help them at the front without all of the other stress
1: you know what that example makes me think of the um i'll say celebrities who end up with drug addictions Oh, Where yeah. they have this wonderful talent or gift, natural ability, however you want to refer to it, it's something they want to share with the world, wh- which originates from this excitement of of really connecting with others and and yeah. being able to share who they are, and then it becomes this this burden, and they feel guilty for not liking it, or they feel bad that they don't that they don't appear to be grateful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that they they want their ordinary life back, yeah. Oh, I like where we just got with that. Yeah, we we blow yeah. things up to to desire the extraordinary when average is what most people really deeply desire. Yeah, it's stability. Yeah, it, there's comfort in it, and it's not se- it's not the same as settling. It's it's stability. It's safety. I I think I think I'm there. Yeah, and it's understanding. Yeah, uh, truly understanding love. Yeah, when we go back to. You know, explaining that we hear people's thoughts and that it always boils down to one of two belief systems, whether or not you believe you're loved and whether or not you believe you're safe. That is the average life. Mm -hmm. That is what is truly extraordinary is having both of those things.
0: And it's what people want to take away when they go to war. It's what people want to take away from other human beings, those core things that are fundamental. Right. Mm hmm. Well, I'm thrilled that you, that this show is about an ordinary life Mm -hmm. and that it came from a dad to his daughter to say how his life was ordinary in Mm -hmm. all of the best ways possible.
1: I don't know if this is important, but I'm just going to, going to mention it. She's getting married on the weekend. So by the time people hear this, she'll be, she'll be getting married to her average husband. Um, (laughs) And, and the dad was coming through just to, to be channeled before her wedding, to say, I love you, to say, I see him, uh, and that this is a beautiful average life. Oh, I love that. Can can Okay, before we end too, Kelly,
0: it is, I think it is what we are trying to achieve too when somebody has a sex change and says, this is my ordinary. Yeah. That this is where I'm comfortable. This is where I sit and feel like an ordinary person. And that sometimes we have to go through a lot of discomfort and change. And I picked a sex change because it's, it's an obvious change. It's mm-hmm. a physical body change to say, but this is what I am. And this is who I am. If I'm, if I'm me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: if I'm ordinarily me, yeah. but to be, to be this other person isn't, isn't my ordinary. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so, an extraordinary, difficult life.
0: Yes. <laughs> trying to be ordinary yeah because they're trying to like trying to fit into their own skin i don't mean just into society and its beliefs mm-hmm. but to sit inside themselves and to feel their own level of this is how my selves vibrate i feel better when i'm female yeah. i feel better when i'm male because or you know whichever one they feel is their is their truest mm-hmm. most authentic self so to yeah, that's good, eh? Their yeah. truest, most authentic self. So, it comes to ordinary can be asking you to be authentic.
1: Mm-hmm. I, you know, as you're talking about this, I love your example. I think the anxiety that most of us are now feeling around other human beings is just—I'll say par for the course because we're all trying, we're all striving for extraordinary when average is, is what's really calling us. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel most at home in my own skin and most authentic when I'm laying next to Parker. Mm. It, that, that energy, that, that being makes me feel like I'm me.
0: Mm.
1: And, and you give that to me too. Oh, and and uh, friends, friends do. And my partner does in, in very different ways, but there's something about, and I think a lot of people get this. When you're with your pet, it's, uh, there's a different feeling of, of purpose. There's a different feeling of love. Um, and well, the average and the extraordinary well, I've come to realize that over seven years
0: of being single, that something all through the different years of thinking, if there could ever be another partner again, what would I'd like him to look like for me mm-hmm. and that and I don't mean him just look like for me, but for us to be in a relationship, and that is something that has really come to my attention that I mentioned earlier about being able to be respected mm-hmm. and being able to fully respect that person, but just to be myself with that person mm-hmm. and not ha- and and this will really speak to people pleasers. It will speak to bullies and narcissists in very uncomfortable ways, because when we are behaving in those ways as a narcissist, as um, a people pleaser, we are not being, authentically ourselves Mm -hmm. and sometimes we're very afraid to be that because it is ordinary Mm -hmm. and we think in order to be loved by somebody we have to be extraordinary
1: be everything to them
0: yes to so go people please them or go change them Mm -hmm. Mm. that was a really interesting conversation I didn't realize it was gonna when you first started talking about him um I didn't realize it was going to come into all of these different types of discussions about mm-hmm. different situations in life. And I'm glad it
1: is. Yeah, I. it's what it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Thank well, you. Yeah, I, I was just going to say thank you to you too. Do you want me to wrap it up? Go ahead.
0: Okay. Well, thank you for listening today. Kelly and I... Oh, Kelly, you referred them to some other podcasts under Archi- archives? Yeah. On um, Coffee by the Sarlows. Coffee with the Sarlows. Coffee with the Sarlows, <laughs> sorry. On our webpage by mm-hmm. And just also to let people know who are listening that we have a second podcast show called Sips of Sanity on the site as well. That's under that tag coffee with the Sarlows. Yep. It's the drop down. But if you are listening and you want to respond to today's show or to ask Kelly and I questions, please email us at info at by And thank you. Have a wonderful day.